Hi, welcome to the Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards podcast for the week of January 31, 2011. This is episode 91, and I am Chris Bevelo, president of Interval. We are the healthcare marketing agency that puts on the podcast, and I am joined today by... Jackie Rotaco, account coordinator with Interval. Adam Meyer, creative director at Interval. And a special guest... This is uh, Chris Boyer, Senior Director of uh, Digital Communications at Anova Health System. Chris Boyer! <laughs> Woo! In person! Hey, I, it, it is stunning to me that we have never had you on our podcast. I still don't believe it. I think, I think we I, have. Yeah, we did once, didn't we? No. That's what I think. Well, I Chris says no. Oh, I'll have to go back. I thought we did. I must have dreamt that. We did a, a, a hidden uh, secret video podcast once when you guys were out here in Virginia, but but other than that, not on the uh, audio podcast. Yeah, that one didn't make the air, did it? <laughs> <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> that was a brutal, brutal video. I think it went on for an hour and it got heated and it was, yeah, it's probably best that that stays secret. In the vault. It was a good. It was a good conversation. <laughs> it was. Yes, it was just fine. Thanks for joining us, Chris. Well, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, we got lots of cool stuff to talk about. Uh, but first, I want to just because you are you are known as a social media guru. Is that safe to say? Uh, other people have called me that. I would never dream of calling myself that. <laughs> <laughs> That's part of the social media bit, though. You have to you have to self refer third person it happens all the time on twitter yeah i guess if someone tweeted it then it must be true exactly <laughs> so so real quick chris i want your i want in in three minutes or less i want to i want explanation for uh and the value of quora go well i liked quora the first time i used it when it was called yahoo answers <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, <laughs> Quora is interesting in that, you know, I, I think that a lot of people are putting a lot of value into having this, uh, the, the question and answer answers from, from select users. Um, what I found in the little experience I've had with it, um, I used it a couple of times and then just kind of bailed out of it because it seems like it's either people on there that are really uh, interested in promoting their own products and so every answer involves their product. Or um, what I found is that it's people that, you know, just think a lot of themselves, think of themselves as gurus that are putting out answers. Uh, I don't find much use from it. Uh, I think, Adam, you said it in, in a previous podcast that, um, uh, you know, I, I like Quora, too, when it's called Google, because I think <laughs> I can qualify those answers better. <laughs> right. But, you know, so I don't use it. And I also don't like the kind of the exclusivity with it, too. It's always trying to trying to make you feel like you're, you're top of the... You know, top, you're, you're the first one in. You're an early adopter for being here. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I think Woody Allen said it best when he said, you know, 90% of life is just showing up. I think 90% of Quora is just being there. So, <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know there, was, there was one um, site that I failed to mention on the last show at, when I was kind of ripping on uh, what Quora is. And that's a site that I actually use quite a bit. It's called Stack Overflow. Um, and it's actually, it's similar to Quora in that it's a place for web developers to go when they have questions and when they want to provide answers to, um, to questions. And it's an interesting model and I'm not sure if Quora works the same way as Stack Overflow, but with Stack Overflow, you're kind of graded on the quality of your answers. Um, people can rank them up and rank them down. 
Um, and the person who answered the question, I believe, can choose the answer that they thought best um, matched up with their with their uh, question. So it's 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 interesting in that a it's a niche com- it's a niche community. So there's you know it's it's one topic or one subject. It's not broken out. And, well, it's broken out by platform or by language when it comes to development. Um, but I don't know. The community there is just it's it's nice in that it's not people who are there to for self promotion. And it's just generally a very helpful community. And I, and I have a feeling most of that comes from the fact that that, that niche element that's there, that niche element, um, that it's not just a bunch of random people from all over the place for all sorts of topics. Um, so I don't know. I forgot to mention that one last time, but that is, that's something very similar and one that I use on a regular basis, both to help answer questions and to ask them. You know, Adam, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I think I think that when you have a community that really cares about a topic, they're gonna they're gonna spend a lot of time being very interested in, in kind of helping to further that community along. But things like it seems like the only reason why you'd want to be part of it is so you can be there first. And right. That's, you know, I, so that that brings in the lo- the wrong kind of motivation from my perspective. So yeah. I haven't found any value from it. Let's just put it that way. All right. Well. Good. That matches up with what we were thinking. So we'll <laughs> we'll keep an eye on it. I keep getting emails of people follow me on Quora, which I think is hilarious because I haven't done anything on Quora. So I don't know what <laughs> you know. And, and it's kind of like Twitter now. I, what's interesting to me is as my activity in Twitter has dropped dramatically, my followers have increased. Uh, almost correlating the opposite way, but they're all you know random social media expert. It's. It's nobody who really is interested in what I would have to say. It's just people building their following list or, or building something. I don't know what they're building. They hope maybe <laughs> I'll re- reciprocate. I don't know. But, okay, so we want to move on to uh, a, a competition that I think we should start right now because uh, one of my uh, – people really wanted me to rant last year at the end of the year, and one, and one of them was – uh, this idea of lists and people putting these obscene numbers like 25 ways to use Twitter to go to the bathroom and, and whatever. So, But I continually run across these things, and so I think we should start a new competition called Mine is Bigger Than Yours or something to that effect. Okay, because I saw I like this it. one and I thought, I think, I think maybe the very first entry into this competition could be our forerunner, could be the, the winner, <laughs> even if we're only in January. The title of this post is The Big List, 168 Marketing Trends, Predictions, and Resolutions <laughs> for 2011. Who's going to be 168? <laughs> Has this, anybody seen a number that high? This is clearly no. this is clearly a regurgitation of this dude's bookmarks from last year. Oh yes, that's all it is. All it is is a list of links to other things, right. and, it, and it's in by category. But there's no order. There's no, uh, you know, he seems to acknowledge that you know there's a lot here. So he says, you know, bookmark this, like it, whatever you need to do. Uh, if I miss something, let me know the comments. Oh, I don't think he missed anything. I don't know if people have like added to it, but anyway, I don't mean to pick on this guy. I won't even, I mean, we can provide a link to it, I guess. Um, <laughs> but I just thought, wow, right off the bat. Yeah, well, it's a list. It's a list of lists too. It's funny. Yeah. It's like yeah. the other list. So it's like <laughs> growing exponentially, you know, it's like thousands of ideas or predictions. He's right. very he's very proud of his size because he said, you know, last year they had 80 links, but this year it's more than doubled, which is in bold, to 168 links. 
Wow. Yes, I'm going to read all of these. That's excellent because I'm sure there are 168 relevant trends. You know, to, <laughs> to, to Chris Boyer's point a second ago, this is a list of lists. But not only that, within the list of lists, some of those links go to other lists, <laughs> which may also go to other lists. It'll take you the whole year to get through? It'll, it'll be never ending. <laughs> well, maybe that'll be number one on my future uh blog about lists is that you know i will re- i will make a, a habit of reading more lists this year <laughs> you should make a list of your top 10 lists or 10 is clearly not enough i think you should have a list of the top you know 47 lists that would be that would be one of those mind benders that people will just like sit there and watch their heads hurt they try to think through it and if in my blog post i link to this list of 168 lists I, does that mean I have a bigger list than he does? Nice. I don't know because you're including his own list. That's 169. <laughs> yeah, but we can't include that because then people will just, you know, then I can add your list to my list and that'll be one more than yours. But then I can link back to your list and that. You know. <laughs> nice. An infinite. It'll be infinite. <laughs> All right. Well, keep your eye out for more than 168. That'll be tough. You know, the other thing that's great yeah. about that. It's it's about if you had to like if you had a competition for the most random numbers of all time, one sixty eight would be in the top ten. <laughs> that is really right? random. It's totally random. At least it's not a prime number, but still. That's <laughs> yeah, a little right. bizarre. We'll see if we can we'll see if we can top one sixty eight somehow. All right, on to the next one. Uh, I wrote a blog post uh, for Smart Brief last week. Uh, that was called Handling the Haters in Healthcare Marketing. It was really about the how do you deal with the ultimate question, the ultimate pushback really on uh, marketing measurement results. So you're a, you're a marketer and you've done the due diligence of trying to track the impact of whatever initiative and you're presenting it to whomever in the organization uh, and they give you the ultimate pushback, which is... How do you know your marketing effort led to those results? How do you know these results wouldn't have happened anyway? So, how, for example, how do you know that the volumes went up because of your marketing campaign? These people would have come in anyway. And so my suggestion in the blog post is to use control groups uh, so that you can, you can show uh, audiences that were impacted by your marketing versus audiences that were not and then compare the results to the you know across the two, so that you can say the only difference between these two audience groups uh, is the marketing, and so we can see the incremental difference. Uh, but uh, what I wanted to kind of talk about with Chris and see if he's got anything to lend to this is uh, what other pushbacks uh, do people get when they try to present their their, their uh, marketing results, or even when they try to measure it in an appropriate way. I heard this one this week, and it just blew my mind. Uh, it was somebody who was talking about how they were trying to use uh, unique phone numbers. So in other words, if you're going to run a campaign, uh, use an 1-800 number or u- a unique number so that you know exactly uh, if people call in, that they're calling in just from the campaign and not from anything else. And somebody in the operations side, no, no, we can't do that uh, because we want to build the brand of our own phone number. Which blew my mind. I thought, you know, unless you're unless you're nine one one, nobody knows your phone number. So I thought that one was borderline hysterical. But you know, and it can't. It doesn't have to just be Chris, Jackie, or Adam. You know, what what other weird or frustrating pushbacks 
Uh, are you guys, have you guys been exposed to when it comes to marketing measurement? Well, well let me start, Chris. Is, um, first of all, we have a CRM database that does those control groups, so that's really helpful. Um, so whenever we do a campaign, it always automatically pulls out a control group that allows us to measure against. Right. So, and, and what's great is that after, you know, after a campaign, it was a direct mail or you know, email campaign, what have you, after a cer- certain period of time, we could print out reports that shows utilization numbers and it kind of shows it back against the control group and it and it gives an, an, an ROI measurement um, but that's where the second uh, second uh, challenge I always get is uh, well how do we know that that's really uh, that that's the right ROI what what number are you using and uh, we get a lot of information that gets fed into us and you know our but you know our financial guys our growth guys they always look at the numbers and they suspect well <clears throat> You know, we, we brought in X number of orthopedic joint cases, but, you know, how do we know that actually that contributed to this amount of revenue? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're always, it's, 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 it's funny in, in that even when you try to provide them solid numbers, um, that, that they, they start to break that apart and they get kind of, they get kind of bent out of shape about every little bit of what they're, what, what you're measuring. Um, right. so that's, that's another thing. It's like, you know, well, how do you know that's a, that, that much margin? Um, Another thing that we get, I got the phone number thing too. Um, I, I really would like to have special phone numbers. Um, and, uh, you know, they say, well, we're trying to brand our phone number for our, our uh, you know, our, our breast cancer um, services. Or we're trying to brand the phone number for our teleservices. And I said, well, it would be, be much helpful for us to, uh, to be able to measure that, you know, measure effectiveness of marketing tactics. But, you know, they... They do seem to think that people will remember that you know the eight seven seven four three one eight number or whatever it is. You know, I don't think they will. You know, I really don't think they will. No. We get, you know, we get that kind of pushback with URLs. Uh, so, in other words, like if there's a, a, a hospital or health system primary website URL, and you want to set up a microsite or maybe an extension, and I think there's some legitimate conversation to be had there. Though I think we all agree that again, most people don't type in a URL ever; uh, they search for it uh, or they have it bookmarked. But, you know, at least there's some conversation to be had about, well, where are those people land and do we really want them to go somewhere else on our main website? Uh, and as we've talked about before, Adam, I think you articulated this really well in a, in a prior podcast. There are times when it's, it's appropriate times where, well, maybe you should uh, direct them back to the main website. But a phone number is, yeah, I mean, good gravy. The only circumstance I can think of is if you have a chronic issue and you have to contact your doctor frequently, let's say on a monthly basis, uh, and you've memorized that number because you've just had to call in so often. Uh, even then, that's typically not the target of your marketing efforts. You know, if, if you're, uh, targeting those people as new customers anyway, you've got a problem. You know, that's a repeat customer that should be treated differently, uh, than somebody who's out there, uh, who you're trying to lure in. So I just think that one's pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, you know, the upside to these questions um, is that it's a perfect opportunity for hospitals um, and people, people unlike Chris, who are not in a position in which they have CRM, which in our experience seems to be the vast majority. Um, it's a perfect opportunity for you to say, well, obviously, the ho- this hospital deems me unfit to have the tools to provide you with this information. Um, so if you would if you would provide me with these tools, I could give you a, a solid answer to the question that you're putting in front of me. Although I don't, you know, I don't have the resources to tell you, 
yes, this is, this is what drove, this is what drove traffic from this campaign or for this event. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a good opportunity to, to, to raise, to raise some awareness with your leadership that, um, there are much more effective ways to, to get these measurements, um, uh, to, to make these decisions. Yeah. And, and Chris, to your point, what we usually recommend to people, and, and you've probably figured this out by now, or now that you've gone through it, you know better next time, but, uh, it really helps to negotiate a lot of the things that you were talking about before, you measure. So what, what, you know, what are we going to use? Are we going to use contribution margin or are we going to use profit margin? Uh, who's supplying that information? Uh, it, it is, there is something really, uh, frustrating about getting to the point where you're, uh, showing how much volume came in and then tying that to those financial numbers and having the financial people push back and say, well, where did you get those numbers? And do, you know, is that what we can really use? I mean, at that point, it's kind of like, if you don't know how you make money on a surgery, that's not a marketing problem. That's a financial operational problem that you better figure out regardless of marketing. I mean, you better know how much money you make on each of these surgeries before we even enter the picture. So it is. it happens a lot though, where when it comes down to trying to demonstrate this, uh, those issues come up. Uh, they, they just should be, you know, figured out well beforehand. But to, to your point, Chris, I think most of the experiences we've had, they're not figured out. Uh, and you can spend a lot of time trying to negotiate that and working with finance and operations uh, for people to come to agreement on, on what should get counted, how much of it, you know, uh, goes to the contribution line, that type of thing. And there's an important thing to talk about, too, with causation versus correlation, too. Um, you know, as you guys know, we did a Fit for 50 wellness program, and a lot of that is correlated behavior in the, in the patients. And I'm able to measure correlated ROI based on their activity off of the site, um, but it's not causation. And I'm very, cl- I'm very clear to say that. You know, when we're promoting wellness, we're not directly causing patients to come in and see a cardiologist. There's just a corollary behavior behind that. So. Right. And, and what you want to be able to show over time is that there is a level of causation for increased utilization, and it's based on their engagement with you. So the hope would be is the greater they're engaged because you've given them an avenue to engage through wellness and through the online tools, the more likely they are to come into you. There, there may be issues that come out of the wellness information they find that drive them in. Uh, but, but being able to, to compare that to, again, a control group, uh, that hasn't been engaged in those activities, whether it's social media, Fit for 50, online tools, uh, then you can demonstrably say, look, the only difference is the level of engagement in these tools. It's the same group of people, same demographics, same geography. Uh, so the only variable that we can really pinpoint is this, uh, which helps us show that, hey, yeah, if we engage these people in the right way, they're more likely to come to us. Yeah, one thing too that you know that I, as, as we're starting to become more sophisticated about it at Anova, and we're we're looking at more and more ways to measure and all the different ways that we can determine how effective our marketing is. There's a tendency now to go even even to the extreme, where people start to become very very you know nitpicky about what they're what they're measuring. And so I'm spending a lot of time now, kind of pushing back and saying, well, you know, look, we can we could try to measure you know, specific actions of, you know, from this, this OB campaign, how many people register for a seminar, how many people register for a newsletter, how many people, you know, uh, see an OB, make an appointment with an OB. And I think we should, but we have to be very careful too, that we're going <laughs> to, we're going to, 
you know, temper our expectations because really what we're doing, you know, is, is kind of creating just a general, a general campaign that's, that might cause a lot of different activity. I used to always say that, you know, there's a hundred, hundred reasons why people buy from you. And, you know, and we have the services that there's a hundred things that they can purchase from us if they do it right, you know. So we have to be careful about, you know, over-measuring, too. Right. You know, so. Okay, cool. Well, one more topic that we want to at least try to give ample time to here, and that is something we've touched on in the past. Uh, but again, Chris, given your uh, online expertise, not just social media, but web expertise. I think this is great to, to talk about this with you uh, joining us. Uh, but it's this idea of uh, using gaming techniques to bolster website activity. Uh, and we, we've touched on this before, like I said, but let me just read a few uh, excerpts from the article that kind of drove me to, to bring this up. And it's from Business Week. It's called Gamification, a growing business to invigorate stale websites. So I'm just going to read a few things and then we can riff on it. Says video game designers have spent the last few decades perfecting the art of making their products addictive. Now traditional companies are building loyalty for their websites using so called gamification techniques, tactics such as leaderboards, which encourage use users to compete against one another for points, are becoming common across the web. Then later on, when done right, games exert a strong psychological influence over consumers, says Amy Jo Kim, a game designer who worked on such hits as Rock Band after earning a Ph.D. in behavioral neuroscience. What games do is help you come up with stories about yourself, she says. Earning points or reaching new levels creates the illusion of progress and is akin to telling you a story about yourself, getting better and stronger and more powerful, she says. And then one more thing, uh, a case study here where one of these consultants worked with a food ordering website called campusfood.com, which wanted to increase the likelihood of a first-time user returning to the site, which is a goal of many uh, businesses with their websites. Uh, the consultant built a feature that rewards repeat customers with whimsical badges such as raw deal, which is what you get when you order 10 sushi orders in a month, beta taster, one of the first 50 people to order from a new <laughs> menu. Uh, since adding points and badges to campusfood.com, the number of new users to return two or more times is up 15 to 20%, says the site's founder. So uh, real success there. Uh, you know, so my question first would be to Chris and Adam. I know you've got some good stuff to say on this. Is this something that uh, Innova is doing, uh, applying either consciously or unconsciously? And by that, I mean I think a lot of websites use elements of this uh, without realizing they're they're using gaming uh, techniques, gamification techniques. They may not know that's what it is, uh, but they may have something on on the site related to that. You know, where where are you guys at with that, Chris? Well, I, we use different levels already. When I first came to Innova about you know ten months ago, we already were using simplified gaming techniques. I mean, things like contests. You know, put your name. You know, add, sign up for our newsletter, and you know, we'll, we'll provide you free uh, free entry to an, you know an educational program, or you know, we'll we'll give you some kind of a free thing. Um, I think that that's you know the, the promotional type of stuff is kind of rudimentary gaming. Technology or gaming theory done in, in healthcare. Uh, another one that we use is we, we provide a lot of interactivity tools where people, you know, like uh, they go online and they do a, do a test. How well do you know, you know your cardiac strength? And you go through a series of, of questions as you go through, and at the end, it gives you some kind of a recommendation. You know, oh, you, you know, you're 
based on the answers that you say, you may want to talk to this, to, you know, talk to this. There's no such reward around that. I think that gaming kind of theory does lead to people using, using, using websites more and staying with the websites and engaging with that content even further. Um, but really, we started to apply some kind of more sophisticated ways to, to do gaming. One of the first things we did is we did an offline game that kind of drove online behavior. So um, we partnered. We were partnering with a, like some local organic, uh, organic growers of produce, and through a program called Buy Fresh Buy Local. It's kind of a nationwide program, and we did it because we wanted to promote healthy, healthy eating in children. It's kind of a behavioral thing that we wanted to do, and we created this like veggie passport that we distributed at local farmers markets. And did you say veggie? I did. Oh, sorry. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh. All right, sorry, go ahead. It's called a veggie passport. I'm sorry. <laughs> at least it's not a, a, a veggie passport aimed at mommy bloggers. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and anyway, so this passport, you know, we, we, we handed it out at our booth at these local farmers markets and, and encouraged kids to go around and find the different produce, the different veggies at the local markets. <laughs> And then if they did that, they can, they can go online and some, their parents can go online and submit their information to, uh, to get a certificate that we would mail them that says, you know, that they, they've done a you know, round-the-market round trip of, of, of produce. And, uh, you know, and obviously by doing that, we, we got the, the, the mommy and daddy contact information and got them to start learning more about our programs to help, you know, help with healthy kids kid uh, behavior, you know, our healthy kids programs. So that was, that's something that we did. And then, you know, one other thing that we're looking at, and this is through, again, through the fit and 50 program, fit for 50 program. Um, and this is not out yet, but one thing we're going to try to do is actually implement sort of this badge like concept. It's kind of hard. I mean, you, you want to, when you want to get patients to, to do things repeatedly, it's not like you want them to go check in with the doctor repeatedly and get, you know, I don't think they want to post that anywhere online, but, you know, but things that are, are positive behaviors like wellness programs, we're, we're going to be implementing this. We already talked about this in an upcoming challenge that we're doing for Fit for 50, where people, after they go through and they experience, you know, like the eight days of new content that's out there, they get a little badge that they can post on their Facebook or, you know, and basically keep, you know, it's like proud that, you know, I've completed the fit for spring challenge, you know, things like that. I think this, this stuff works really well. I do it all the time. It's pretty addictive for me. So, Okay. Adam, what do you think of all that? I mean, I know that uh, you've got a unique perspective giving your gaming background as well. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's interesting uh, for me personally, because I mean, I've, I've, ha- I've been incented in, in games, like an actual console or PC games to, uh, you know, attain achievements. But then when it comes to some of the um, online resources like Foursquare, it's just not ever been something that's really been an, an element of the tool that was compelling me to stay with it. It was, you know, there are other things that compelled me to use such uh, uh, resources, but I knowing the addictive nature of achievements from, from game, from, from being a gamer, um, I can certainly see how other people who maybe haven't experienced that um, in a gaming setting, like an actual console gaming or PC gaming setting could be pulled in by the lure of that with something like Foursquare. 
Um, so yeah, I, it's interesting to see where, where it will go. I think a lot of people kind of fall off fairly quickly with it. You know, they get kind of, they think it's kind of cool for a while and then it kind of fades away. But, you know, even, even with that, with that said, you know, if, if you can build a, a relationship that, um, is a little more meaningful or is going to last longer, even by giving them a couple of awards, well, it's a good thing, not a bad thing. Well, you know, it'd be interesting to hear from everybody. Jack, I'm going to ask you first because I know you haven't had a chance to chime in much. D- do any of us actually do, other than Adam's example of on, you know, when you're actually playing a video game, is there any site that you use, Jackie, uh, where you're actually uh, trying to achieve something or looking for badges or find appeal in that? I don't know. I was just thinking of maybe it just seems like it's, just reading this article and listening to you guys, it's not so obvious. So I'm just, I'm trying to think of some of the sites that I visit that might be that way. Um, I'm a huge fan of open table to make right. uh, restaurant reservations. And I do know that you accumulate so many points and then you get dining checks. So I don't know if that's kind of the same strategy here, but I'm just, I'm, I suppose it kind of is. I mean, that's more like incentive and rewards, but I don't know. Yeah, well, it's kind of the same way either way. I mean, it's like using a bank credit card that accumulates points and you get money back or some sort of other incentives. I mean, it's everything's driven right. by some sort of incentive. You're getting something for for doing something, for your behavior. Right. Um, and I don't know. I think pe- people people like that feeling of reward. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I struggle with it because if, if anybody's going to be uh, – you know, I play video games as much as Adam. Uh, it's kind of it's that's my vice, I guess you would call it. Uh, I have a hard time getting hooked when there's actually something in it for me. And an example I'll give is there's a local gas station uh, that has a, a loyalty program. You have your card and you swipe it every time you you buy something there. Every time you buy gas, uh, and for a while I did that thing religiously. But the results, mm-hmm. the rewards that came from it were so sparse. Right. Uh, it, it became a burden. It became something like, good Lord, you know, I this is more of a pain in my butt than it is any kind of <laughs> right. reward. And so I, even though I have the card, I don't use it anymore. They ask me every single time, do you have your rewards card? And I say no, even though all I have to do is show them my keychain because it's it's uh, annoying. I don't get anything from right. it. So, And that's where there's actually monetary rewards. Uh, you know, even on video games, when, when I get achievements or badges, uh, those are cool, but I think I've said this before, they don't really drive me, uh, they don't drive me. In, in, in one game, one of the more popular games, you can go through the whole game, you get 50 levels, all kinds of achievements, and then you can start over and go through it like 10 more times. <laughs> Uh, and, and people love that. They love going through because you get like if you go through the second time, you get a different little badge. Uh, and, and I think, you know, I've just worked my butt off to get to this point. I have everything I want. Why would I want to start over? It, it, there's not enough appeal for me to just to get the, the cool visual badges that come with doing that. So I maybe I'm unique. Well, uh, I think I think what's important and I'll, I'll use uh, one good example here um, is, is integrating that some sort of social aspect where sure where the awards don't necessarily just just mean something to you they also have some sort of meaning to other people whether it's people in your social circle right. people in your family people you work with whatever you know one example is from a game that i play um world of warcraft uh um there are rewards within that system that you know you part of the game is it's a mmo a multi 
a massively multiplayer online game. Um, and part of the part of the setup now with this new achievement system they have integrated over the last couple of years is that as you get achievements, it gives extra bonuses or benefits or perks to your collective team. And much of what you do in the game, you do as a team. So in that case, you're incented to get these rewards not only because it's just a feel-good thing, but it actually has, in that case, in-game benefits. Um, so I think if you can, if you can make some social connections there on some level where it's, where your reward is beneficial on, on some different scale other than just a little feel good thing, you know, there's something to be said for that. Mm -hmm. I, I think that's the success of Groupon too, you know, where you can share coupons with other people through that program. Right. Right. You know, it, it, it's not only you're helping yourself, but you're helping others and they're helping you. And I think that that social aspect is really important. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. And in the example that I read, you know, uh, the badges are, are uh, you know, the, the beta taster. Th that's a point of pride for a lot of people that they're, you know, that they're trying something new and they want to mm -hmm. show that they're open to new things. And uh, I, I just I don't know how, you know, there's a, there's a point in here where people say, you know, the copy says it's a neat trick if it lasts. Uh, in other words, somebody gives a comment that says people move in herd mentality, but the backlash is going to come from people who try to slap game t features on a site without any understanding of how to bake it into the full experience. So just right. like trying to throw it up there uh, just to use it. Uh, and not really have it be something that's part of your brand, part of your experience, right. or add something of value is is obviously a mistake. But you know, I don't know. Even if you do it right, I wonder how many people it really appeals to. It'd be interesting to follow. Hey, maybe that's what Quora should do to get more people to use it. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, I mean, that's that's kind of the way that, um, in a sense, that's a way that the the other resource I was talking about earlier works. Uh, Stack Overflow. Um, you become, you, you kind of get a, a ranking, um, through that system based on how people value the input that you provided. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, so sure. it's, it's a, it's an interesting way to, um, I don't know, get that self gratification, I guess. Yeah. Well, well, let's see, let's keep our eye out for it, especially in healthcare and see if we have more examples that we can bring forward. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, we have one on our website, we have a quiz on the, on the homepage, so again, I think a lot of websites, uh, in this case, just talking about websites, uh, have some of this, uh, not necessarily thinking that they're following a gamification strategy, uh, but it would be interesting to see uh, how much more prevalent it becomes or if we start seeing more of that. Uh, again, almost beyond, Chris, what you were talking about with the quizzes and the, the assessments that a lot of folks have, but just something that's purely a, a badge or a ranking uh, to get you to come back. And like you said, the trick is you don't want people to, to have that associated with going to the doctor repeatedly, but maybe following <laughs> the right behaviors or whatever it may be. I, I don't know. So, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. all right. Well, I think we've covered our, our topics. Anything you want to throw yeah. in there, Chris, at the end? No, absolutely. Although I have to say, Chris, I disagree with you completely about Twitter. <laughs> oh, we better uh -oh. save that for we better save that for End another time. Another podcast. <laughs> we, you know, we will use Twitter to promote the fact that you are part of this podcast because I know that you have a uh, a flock, quite a sizable Twitter flock. <laughs> so a twock. <laughs> Oh, okay. I think that's a new Watch word. Out. I think we just in, we just invented that. So when we post this, we're going to say to to Chris Boyer's twalk. 
Here's a, here's a podcast. I hear about his talk. <laughs> that is awesome. Do I'm not so happy. Misspell. <laughs> yeah, I'm so happy that we've invented that new word. <laughs> I bet somebody else has come up with it already. No way. I'm going to Google I, that right now. No, because then somebody will see it and, and they'll steal it. All right. Well, Chris, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. And we, will, we won't wait another two years to have you back on. We'll try to make you a regular guest. Yeah. Do you, want, do you want to hear the urban dictionary of twalk quickly before you leave? <laughs> oh, sure. yeah. A middle of the road, a middle of the road term for a post-op transgender crotch area. <laughs> Which is exactly <laughs> what we meant by it. That is awesome. That all- they're, they're really not my twalk. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, well, and we'll post the link. <laughs> yeah, we better post a link on that one. That's brilliant, though. That's one of those those kind of like you wrinkle your forehead and you go, oh, I get it. <laughs> I think we've got some. I think we have a show title too. Oh yes, oh, perfect. Maybe we- <laughs> All right. Well, for Arrogant Healthcare Marketing Bastards, this is Chris Bevelo, Jackie Retackle, Adam Meyer, and Chris Wolfman. All right. Thanks, everybody. We will talk to you next time. <laughs>